Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to With Her Two Hands, your weekly podcast live stream, uh, where each week we introduce you to another incredible tradeswoman out there kicking butt in the trades. I'm really excited to introduce you to tonight's guest. Her name is Kelsey Bailey, and she has had an interesting journey. I, uh, I hear that she started street racing when she was like 11, which scares me a little bit. Um, and I'm really excited to hear what that story is all about and how exactly that works. I'm pretty sure at 11, you're not supposed to be driving at all, let alone street racing, but um, this is definitely going to be an interesting episode. So you're definitely gonna wanna stay in for the whole thing to hear all about her journey and how she started from that and went all the way to 16 years in the industry, now training people to use paint and body equipment, as well as of course selling that equipment to body shops all across the country. Um, but we are having a couple of little technical difficulties getting her to join in the stream at the moment. So you get to hear me blab for a little bit. Uh, so I'm going to take this opportunity to thank our sponsors, Drive Time, for all of their continued support and helping make this podcast happen uh, and continue to happen over the last three years that it's been going on. Um, and I want to thank all of you for coming on over from our former platform on Instagram and joining us on YouTube, spending your Wednesday evenings with me. Uh, as always, all of the past episodes are available either on my old Instagram channel on uh, Bogey's Garage, or you can now listen to most of the audio versions on um, Spotify or Apple or Google or wherever you get your podcasts from. And now every Monday, we're going to be releasing a archive episode uh, on YouTube. It'll be live every Monday, same time slot as this one. Uh, and I will be live in the comments. Sometimes we'll be joined by the guest. And it'll be really kind of cool to see how far people have come because a lot of our guests from three years ago have done a tremendous amount in their lives since then. So we kind of fun trip down memory lane memory lane. So um, checking in. Uh, let's see. I am not yet seeing our guest for tonight. Oh, there she is. I see her. Awesome. All right. Welcome everybody to Kelsey. Hello. How are you? I am fantastic. You know, is there real quick, is there any chance you're, you can put, are you on your phone? Can you put it? Maybe should I have not messed with it? Nope. I maybe shouldn't have. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I have not done this before, so my apologies. That's okay. Is this your first time doing any sort of live streaming? Yes. Oh, my so. goodness. I'm so excited. <laughs> I feel so privileged. <laughs> Me too. Right back at you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for saying yes. Oh, my goodness. So Kelsey and I have been trying to arrange getting her on an episode uh, for a while now. Um, and we actually have met a couple of times. We've crossed paths a couple of different times in life. Um, you came by my shop once long, long ago, right? Yeah. Uh, and then we met. Trip. Yeah, and then we met briefly at Women in Machine, which we're going to talk about. Um, but I want to dig into your your past a little bit. Um, you started street racing at eleven. Can you explain me how the what the <laughs> that face that face? I love it. Well, I'm like uh, usually, you know, my little elevator pitch is. Uh, it has some dirty words in it, so I don't know how that. I don't. <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. All right. So I mean, this is way too much information, but I got tits at eleven. All the boys let me drive their car. I got to race. I used. I lived in Kansas City, so I would like flag races on state line and stuff. Oh my god! Um, got pulled over in a Chevelle when I was fourteen years old. Um, the uh, the officer was like. Um, License registration. I was like, school ID, okay? And they let me go. That doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> they let you go? <laughs> yes. This was a long time ago, though, too. So, Wow. You had some angels looking out for you, clearly. Seriously. <laughs> but then I got into the whole drifting scene, too, pre-Tokyo Drift. So that's also showing my age here. But, um, yeah, I was... Uh, You're yeah, still I just a like baby. Real fast. Yeah. <laughs> You're still a youngin'. Did this, like 
come naturally to you? Like, was there like, I, I hate getting, being asked this question. So I just cringe a little bit when I ask other women this question, but like, did you grow up around fast cars and people driving fast? Or was it just something that like was inherent in you when you were young? You're like, I want to go fast. <laughs> right. Um, I always think maybe it was the uh, sense of independence, you know, having your own car. And so I wanted to fix it so that I could stay on the road. Um, but I'm like, I'm a plumber's daughter. So okay, digging into, I guess I got it from my grandfather. He used to restore old Jaguars. Um, oh, and so maybe I got it from him. So, okay. But the trades has definitely been something that's, that's been a theme in your family. Yeah. You've had plumber definitely. restoring yep. Jaguars is an interesting niche. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you start drag racing, street racing at 11. Um, by the time you are, how old are you turning wrenches and fixing cars? About 16. So I started okay. going to uh, JUCO um, or junior college uh, okay. at 16, graduated a little early. Um, and then at the same time, you know, I was going for uh, basically to be an automotive mechanic. Um, okay. Then you know, going through ASE certifications and stuff like that, you have to have two years at a shop. So I ended up doing that um, at Brett's Auto Works in Olathe, Kansas. <laughs> Shout out to Brett's. Thanks for giving yeah. her a chance. <laughs> so I, um, during like 16, 17, 18, a little bit into 19, I was either around it or I was from Bre at Brett's from 17 to 19. And then, um, cocktail waitress on the weekends and then ended up uh bartending throughout my college career at Pitt State in Pittsburgh, Kansas. So okay. Now how did your family respond to all of this theme in your life? The 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 street racing, the wrenching, the wanting to become a mechanic. How was that received? Well I'm glad you asked me that. Um <laughs> <laughs> I was a little bit of a black sheep. Uh, okay. So it was kind of funny too, because um, I remember I went up, like growing up in the church and stuff like that. Um, one kid taught me how to drive stick, you know, when okay. I was like 14, 15. And uh, I started street racing with him. He's like an older brother. Okay. And then um, I remember also, it was kind of funny because I would be street racing, but my brother started coming along and my mom was like, you, you know, watch out for your brother. And so he was in the clear if I was out with him, which cracked me up because I kind of started that whole, that, that, I guess the enthusiasm for going. Is he older or younger? Older, almost two years. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you're bringing your big brother along, but yeah. you're like, you're the, the leader clearly. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, he caught on very quickly. And so like, he's okay super good at, you know, fixing cars. Like, um, I'd have to say I got him into street racing. He got me into drifting. Okay. And so, so you, you do drifting too. Of course you do. Yes. Cause you're like cool as hell. <laughs> <laughs> I, a, I got, I won, I guess a 240 SX off of eBay um, what? in Erie, Pennsylvania. I was bidding on one. Okay. So I was, uh, I would have been 17. Okay. Bidding on one in texas and i wanted that one because then no rest right and then right. ended up getting the one in erie i flew up there took a puddle jumper and then i do remember calling the guy i was like hey is there gonna be any issues getting this back home and he's like no no problem as soon as i primed it fuel seeping out of the lines so i walked down the road to advanced auto or some auto parts store Jimmy rigged some high pressure hose and it lasted the 13 and a half hours and one speeding ticket <laughs> on the way back. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> you have a charmed life. <laughs> I, guess so. I, I would have to say yes. I've been very lucky. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, okay. So aside from your parents kind of giving you a pass when you brought your brother with you, did were they surprised when you decided to pursue automotive as a as a career path that you wanted to become a technician at that time i know that's not the path you ultimately went down but yeah um no i mean they my dad was definitely very supportive um i was the first kid so i come from a litter of five right uh oh, wow. very you know i i always say um drew blood for seconds around the dinner table but <laughs> uh <laughs> But I was the first out of the five to go to uh, college and get my degree. So, nice. and that was, 
And, and so all of us are like two years apart from each other, us okay. four. And then my little brother, who's by far the coolest of us five, is seven years younger than me. <laughs> okay. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you decide, so you're wrenching, you're putting yourself through school and you're wrenching as a mechanic and going down that path. What made you switch gears, no pun intended, to, to go for the degree that you went for in college? I love a pun, um, but also, <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm goofy as hell. But also, I mean, I, doing it, uh, I guess in a shop environment, it kind of took the fun away. So mm. instead of wrenching on, you know, all of us you know, 16, 17 year olds, um, we all had our different like 240s, there's 180s, all those, we were all in the drifting scene. Uh, you know, we were renting from my mom at the time, me and my older brother, and then we'd have other people come over and we just had stacks of tires. I'm sure all the rest of the people in the um, neighborhood loved us. Like we got called on a couple of <laughs> times because we'd be wrenching into the middle of the night, you know, uh, definitely a junkyard girl. Um, <laughs> hopefully no junkyards are watching this, but I remember I'd like, <laughs> if I would clip the, clip the wall or something in Heartland Park in Topeka, we would go and pay 60 bucks, bring a helmet and you could thrash. We'd have like little courses and stuff. Oh. Um, I would like, you know, grab a, one time I had to get a hood and a fender cause you clip the wall or whatever. And uh, I was like, I only brought $5. And I also stuffed my pants with like injectors. <laughs> um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it got to the point where, oh God, I'm giving away all my secrets. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> like, I, I mean, the dudes at O'Reilly's would give me their discount. Um, and so it got to the point where my guy friends would be like, you go in and get that part. And I was like, no problem. Got you. Um, because we were just like poor high school and college students, you know? Right. Um, I, and right now we're touching on one of the few benefits that comes of being a woman in the industry yeah. every once in a while, right? For like you know all what? the negatives that yeah. like every once in a while there's a little perk is that sometimes... People are like, oh, you're a girl. I'm so excited. I'm going to give you a discount. You're like, okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't compete with all the negatives, just for those of you out there who are like, that's not fair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's plenty of those. So I mean, we can get to those, man. But, yes, uh, indeed. Indeed. We did like, it, it was, it was funny because we had our daily drivers, which is also our track car, drive out to St. Louis, which is four hours on the nose. You know, there'd be fully like trailered cars and we'd get sideways and then have to go to school the next day. It was called Midnight Madness. So we drive, you know, make it out there around like midnight or right before thrash and then come back and to Kansas City and try and get to school at eight o'clock. Amazing. My, my, my upbringing was very different. <laughs> <laughs> my high school life was not like that. I was such a goody two shoe. I was like, I would never, I was too scared. I'm so I'm like in awe of everything that you were doing like way back then. Dude, I was much cooler in my younger years and way uh -oh. more bold too. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Were you so, like, were you always this bold or did it like, did it, did it start at a certain point for you? Or were you just from birth? Like the, like, I'm gonna go out and do what I want. I'm, I've got a wild hair and yeah. Yeah, I feel I feel like I've always been that way. As far as I come from the school of thought of if somebody else can do it, by golly, I can do it too. <laughs> um, and I don't feel like there's any like hindrance other than you know you can get in your own head. And of course, we're all we all do that. But yeah, like I, if I see it done, I'm so visual and super kinesthetic to the point where it's like I can do that too. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So, okay. Oh, uh, uh, getting back to I got. Yes, we got. We have both. I go down rabbit holes too. I'm yeah, squirrel. Um, yeah. Okay. So why did you switch into auto body and okay. that side of the world? Because I mean, the cool part that I loved was when I was a mechanic. Was women are usually the ones who are checking that off the to do list throughout the day. You know, like hey, it needs to get its regular maintenance, whatnot. So I put cars up on lifts, give them their safety glasses. I'd be like, you need to put coolant in your car because you ran out of coolant. <laughs> then I'd be like, hey, you have 25%, you know, left on your brake pads or whatever. And then this is another optional item. You know, if you get around to it, it would be nice. 
because you know women like options um i always say that in my yeah. <laughs> in my world but and i love that part but then you also get those people who are like you know there's a lemon who came in and something was always wrong and it was always our fault right mm -hmm. and i'm like there's one time i was like you know what she's actually waiting for it and i'm like honey it was like a four spoke lift I'm like, it's not even touching all four corners. You have a bent frame there. We did not do that. <laughs> and so at least like explaining that type of stuff, I think that I had a knack for it. Um, but realistically, I just like doing it on my own stuff. Yeah. And so I was able to find the making a little bit more money so I can afford more parts for my own stuff doing it this way. Okay. Um, and I'd also have to say at Pitt State, shout out to my advisor, John Thompson. My God, he was so amazing. Um, he founded the Collision Repair and Insurance Management, and then I did Power Mechanics and then Business in Spanish. But um, he just his enthusiasm for it and like he just got me, he really got me into it. And also, you know, we got donor cars where it was just like bash it to pieces and fix it. And that was really cool. It was very satisfying. <laughs> was that your first like exposure to doing not the mechanical side, but doing the more body side? It so it was like a matter of exposure. And then once you were exposed to it, you're like, this is really cool. Yes, absolutely. I love it. So I'm interested though. So you kind of very quickly said uh, some really powerful stuff that I think is really relevant topics to talk about. Like one, that it was about when the hobby became the job, it became less fun, right? But mm -hmm. then also the opportunity to make a little more money. So can we talk about that for a hot second? Because yes. I feel like that is such a key point to, you know, we talk all the time and I'm sure you see this out and about because you're dealing with different shops all the time right like everybody everybody is needing techs right everybody is looking for body people painters mechanics all of it and yet like the mechanics that i know who make the most money are the mechanics who don't mechanic anymore yeah um i think that it's good to get that uh, foundation for sure and I encourage the next generation that's something that really gives me the warm and fuzzies and so I've been definitely super lucky and blessed because I just I kind of put myself out there and maybe I'm I'm intense but I'm just like oh my god another girl as you know get excited overly excited but I get just as excited now seeing youth in the industry or getting ex you know wanting to go down that path um yeah. It was kind of funny. Uh, a few or a couple months ago, I went to a random like car meetup. Uh -huh. I rode up because I don't have a cool car right now. I'm riding motorcycles, which is that's cool thing in the entire world. <laughs> Best feeling in the entire world. But uh, I rode up, and these two kids like walk up to me. They're like, "Oh my god!" Like I used to have this bike, and then I had like this slam like um, Lexus, and then I saw like right hand side drive Skyline, and I was like this parking lot reminds me of high school yeah and i'm like talking to these these guys and they're like yeah we're self-made i'm in the fireman program and i'm gonna be an engineer and stuff like that and i'm like i don't know how to gauge age however you look like you're 16 or 17 and they're like yes ma'am 17 <laughs> and the other guy was like i'm 18 i'm like the kids are all right it makes me so yeah. excited to see that yeah i um, agree i think we're starting to see more kind of of a swing back into the trades and and desire to pursue that. So that's good to see. Are you seeing wages going up in the shops? Are you seeing that improving or do do you yeah, I... no, not really. The and the sad thing, it's like it's kind of like um I feel like it's still a stigma as far as body shop goes, like yeah. If you're a parent, you're like, oh, that's just for ex-cons or something. And I'm not trying to be crude or anything, but that was one thing I, when I met Gabriel from Motivated pa uh, Painters at SEMA, mm -hmm. we were talking about it. And I mean, he's very straight edge, um, you know, has his, his YouTube and Instagram channel and stuff like that. And we're trying to get rid of that stigma because it is highly trained. Um, it is. You have to have, you know, the ICAR um, endorsements. You have to go to school for it um it's kind of like it's not necessarily something that you can just autopilot 
Uh, right. Yeah. But the st- like the perception of the automotive trades like has not caught up yeah. with the reality of the automotive trades. Exactly. So it's, I mean, it, I think what you're doing especially is helping sway it to these are highly trained uh, professionals um, and they have to have continuing education kind of like uh, what I'm doing currently is I deal with very big nationally known body shops. Um, and sometimes, you know, I'm like, I'm on the wrong side of this because you can put earbuds in, spray cars all day, not have to talk to anybody. <laughs> but, and then they have a new car every other month or whatever. They have all the toys. So you can make, there's money to be made. There um, is. No, there's definitely money to be made. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, if you get better, then you can flag more um, hours and get quicker. Uh, but I mean... I mean, sometimes I'm, I definitely think I'm on the wrong side of it, but I do love what I do because I do get to go into Votex and be like my job allowing me to go into Votex. I've seen so many girls in some of these, um, these classes and I'm always like, Hey, I know that it's hard to stick with it when you look out and nobody looks like you. However, there is money to be made. That's my elevator pitch to them. And I'm like, just stick with it. And here's my card if you need any, but you need a vent. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that you have to deal with. So I love it. Did did any, I love that you do that, first of all. So thank you. And I'm curious, did any of them ever take you up on it? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. That's awesome awesome. to hear. That's fantastic. Gives me the best, like, warm and fuzzies for sure. So I definitely want to. I want to follow them through um, just because, I mean, I'm sure you didn't have that and I didn't either. You just kind of have to do it. Um, But yeah, I think that, you know, with the different, I'm, you know, part of anything motorized and anything female, like own operated, headed up. um, I'm trying to be a part of it. Yeah. I love it. And I think your point is, is really valid. Like it's, it's the same for the industry in general as it is for women specifically within the industry is like there is money to be made. There is respect to be had. There are great people out there who are supportive. It just, it might take a little while to get there. And like, you're not going to necessarily see a lot of money right off the bat because it doesn't start out high or great. And if, if you really want it and you push and you keep working, like, yeah, definitely. But Obviously, I mean, look at you, like, especially, man, I I have been watching you since Call Girls Garage first came out. Man, it was my Saturday morning, you know, routine. And then I would, this when I was living in Fort Worth. Um, and then I would be like, I want to go wrench on something. And that was like my Saturday. <laughs> I love it. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think like definitely been look, like, look up to you and, um, just anybody else who's just out there getting it, who didn't necessarily have that support, but use the support. If somebody offers it to you, definitely use it. Um, a little side note, my first, no, it wasn't my first SEMA. It was SEMA 2018. Um, it was Tacos, Tequila, and Tradeswomen. Mm-hmm. And I was 30 years old. And I went and I met, you were there. And there were a lot of other amazing women there as well. Um, that's where I met Faye as well. And that's how we ended up doing Women and Machine together. Yeah. But uh, I remember on my uh, taxi ride back to Westgate because I was working the booth. And uh, I cried. <laughs> I was like, I knew there were people out there like me. It just took me to my 30s to find them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, me it. too. <laughs> me too. It was. I was definitely in my 30s before I found other I, one woman. I had met one other female mechanic in my 20s. But yeah, no, and it's it's crazy. And the power of those groups is so so huge. Do you want to talk about women in machine a little bit? Because you do sure. a ton a ton of stuff, and I know we're going to run out of time like long before we're finished covering everything. But um, <laughs> you you went to the SEMA, you met all these other women, you started kind of realizing that you weren't alone in the world. That mm-hmm. kind of spurred you doing a whole lot of other stuff too, because you're involved in Woman Machine, you're in, you're involved in WIN, and then there's another group that you mentioned, Fem, Fem- FEMODO. FEMODO. So, I don't know what that is. What's FEMODO? Oh my God. Can we start there? So okay, so I've, been writing for about, I've been writing for about um, 
a decade now. I start. I got my nice. motorcycle license in 2013. Okay. And I had a GS 500, a little zippy thing. You know, it was very cheap. You know, you drop it a bunch of times. Yeah. You don't care. Um, and then now I'm like on a Triumph Scrambler 900, which has a button for off road and rain. So uh, the nicest <laughs> toy I've ever owned in my life, right? Nice. Uh, <laughs> So you save, you know, save up big girl money and buy yourself a fun toy. But yes. <laughs> it took me moving to Austin two years ago to find any females to ride with. And there is a huge scene down here. So shout out to anybody who's in Austin. Um, Fomoto or sometimes, um, you know, Moto Social or something like that. You can meet a lot of girls. Okay. Um, from is that just in Texas or is that all over? Fomoto is just in Texas. Okay. I know Moto Social is everywhere. Any major city also. Okay. When I first came down here, there's Lita's, uh, mm -hmm. which is any major city has a chapter of all female riders. It's not like it's just a collective. It's not like a club or anything like that. And I've met some amazing, amazing folk in that. Um, and it's like you obviously you, you bond over the little bit of a nihilistic nature of the people who get on uh, motor motorcycles. But it's been, you know, the best crew down here. And um yeah, like uh, I met, there's, um, I'm going to shout out to uh, Moira, who she, she hosts like track days, like teaches people how to race and stuff nice. like that. Um, I want to be here when I grow up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just so blown away, you know, like I'm not worthy in presence of all these just ladies who are just doing it. And oh my goodness. Okay. Can we pause for a hot second and sure. just like turn the tables on you because you are one of the ladies who is doing it. Like you really are. And I, I know that you don't necessarily feel that way, but you're influencing so many people. Like, do you see how much of a, of a boss you are and the impact that you make through your job every day, through your mentoring, through your coaching, through reaching out to these students by just being visible. Like you are that girl. Sometimes, yes, it took me a while. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, you give yourself some goals and I did achieve a lot of them by the time I was 30. And so now, um, man, I really, and I, okay. So backing up, the reason why I mentioned Moira, specifically was when I first met her and I'm sure any of the ladies watching there's always some ladies who don't want to see you succeed mm -hmm. it, just people yeah. but sometimes ladies because it's like you roll up in a, a bike night or something and there's like a girl there and it's like no this is my bike night it's like right. I was so impressed with Moira when she goes there's plenty of seats at the table not just one yeah and I use that all the time now and yeah. so, um, and I'm like, yes, you said it. It's like, there's so much room for everybody. It doesn't have to just be one, you know? Yes, absolutely. And I, you know, I'm glad that you brought that up. And I think, like you said, it's not just women. There's always people who want to see you not succeed. I think, I think it hurts more when it's other women. Yes. Like when there's a guy who doesn't want me to succeed, I'm like, eh, been there, done that. I've experienced that. I'm used to it. I can let it roll off my shoulder now. But when when it's a woman, it's like, oh, God, that hurts. Yeah. yeah. It really does. When I first started selling uh, equipment, um, I feel like I just took my my Great Danes, you know, stance of things like you're going to love me by the end of this. <laughs> and there's a, a lady I was working with. And she was just like putting me down and stuff like that. And so I took her aside and it was, it hadn't happened to me yet because I'm just like, oh my God, another girl. And I just like get overly exuberant. I, you know, shower them with like compliments and like, oh, let's, we're in it together, you know? And like, you almost automatically think that they got your back, but they don't always. So, I mean, I took her aside and I was like, hey, my mom always told me to respect and I feel like a not a lot of respect is coming from you. And after we had a conversation and of course it's not in front of the customer. Um, I think she had newfound respect for me and stuff like that. And sometimes you just got to lay it down. I mean, I don't know. I have a question for you and it just okay. came up. Okay. Um, I'm definitely of subscribed to the thought of kill them with kindness or you can catch more flies with honey. Mm -hmm. However, I have heard from some people mostly men, they'll be like, you got to come out guns a blazing and then be nice. I don't know what has worked for you in the past and what would your advice be? Yeah. I mean, me I've, heard both, 
I write like I've heard both sides of that too. And I think that's a really interesting question. I think, <laughs> I, I think there's a way to be strong without being guns blazing. Right. Yeah. Like, like you said it, like the great Dane approach, right? Like, <laughs> but let's like talk about great Danes. Like they're huge and they're a little intimidating, but they're like the biggest lovers and they're super sweet. And all they want to do is slobber all over you. Right. And, but they're firm and they're solid and you're not going to knock them over when you bump into them. And like, that's, that's such a great analogy. Like be, be the great Dane, right? You can be lovable. You can be nice. You can be friendly. What you said to that other woman, right? Like, mm -hmm. hey, not feeling a whole lot of respect from you. That was you standing your ground, but still being nice. You weren't like, look, B. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I don't think the guns a blazing approach is necessarily the most successful. Um, I think, particularly in a male dominated industry where, like, they are so used to just like big puff up, like I'm going to be bigger than you. I'm going to be louder than you. And that's how I'm going to win my way. I think when women come in and have a different approach, that's actually our secret weapon is okay. that we can be kind. We can be nice. We can still be solid. It doesn't mean you're a floor, like a doormat. That doesn't mean that you yeah. lay down and just take it. But I think it's a happy medium in between the two, you know? Yeah. I have to agree because to be honest, I haven't actually used the guns a blazing approach and it has, it's worked for me as far as not using that approach. Um, yeah. I mean, of course there are, uh, you know, you never know what you're going to get. And maybe there's been a couple times I'm like, maybe I should have been more firm right out the gate. But for the most part, you know, if I, if you just, I'm a middle child, so I'm good at diffusing. <laughs> Um, <laughs> which is a superpower. Like that's yeah. a superpower <laughs> for sure. Also taking a whole bunch of swirly brain information and give it like delivering in bite-sized pieces. That's also a superpower of mine. So yes, hone your superpower for sure. <laughs> Amen to that. And that is quite the superpower. <laughs> but yeah, I was just curious if you ever had to like be very firm about something and then you know, maybe you were like, yeah. maybe I shouldn't have taken that approach because there has been at least a handful in my, you know, 16 years in the industry with almost working with exclusively all men where I'm like, I should have been, should have been firmer because yeah. now I got to be mean. <laughs> right. And I think, you know, I had a t uh, an old teacher friend say to me once, always start off the semester the bitch because you can get nice after that, but you can't go from nice to being the bitch. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. Um, and I think I've taken that to a degree, right? Like, like you, 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 if you start out the gate, like you can walk all over me, then when you go to stand your ground, people are going to be like, wow, what the hell happened mm -hmm. there? Right. But I don't think that that necessarily means you have to be mean, right? Yeah. You can be firm and still be kind. And I, I have had situations where I had to really stand up for myself, but I still, still took the kill him with kindness approach. Like I had a shot foreman who hated me, hated me, hated my mere existence. And every morning I would walk in and be like, good morning, Don, how are you? Like Just super kind, super sweet. And when he screwed me over, I went straight to over his head, right? Yeah. I was firm. I was going to stand up for myself, but I wasn't going to be rude about it or mean yeah. about it. Cause then that's just stooping to that level. Right. Exactly. I'll be like this ginger will snap. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but if you say it with a smile, <laughs> exactly. you better not do that. <laughs> oh. So I'm curious, like going, going back in time a little bit, when you were working at the mechanic shop, you were, you kind of started talking about how you were teaching a lot of these female drivers and customers about their cars. And mm -hmm. so it makes total sense that in your life, you have continued that teaching trend and you're now teaching young kids and you're mentoring women and you're doing all of this, like teaching is kind of a thing. Um, was that always a thing? Does that come from being one of five as well? Or <laughs> I, to be honest, um, never liked being the center of attention. Uh, you know, super awkward, but you know, I knew what I knew and I liked what I liked, but Later in life, I have noticed I would love to be a shop teacher, um, which is another touches on another thing where 
they're not paid enough. <laughs> I think no. that teachers and mothers are probably the most important people in our society and they're the most underappreciated and like the least amount of money making professions out there. Um, I would love to be a shop teacher. I just don't want to make that money right now, but I foresee myself doing that because, um, you know, I, I guess, especially since, you know, I don't have kids, I would like to be that type of mentor in somebody's life because I feel like I have some at least knowledge and tidbits to share to help people. And um, with when I've been able to mentor like a handful of ladies now um, and, you know, try and keep them to, to stick with it. Uh, but I think teacher came later because when I was working, I knew that I wanted to make more money. And so I actually started doing Toastmasters because okay. I didn't like speaking in front of people. And so I needed to figure that out so I could get to the next level. Interesting. Very smart. The, the more you do it, the easier it gets. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I'm very comfortable with this. And I was actually, there's been like a few of the, uh, I remember it was Kansas City, Kansas Community College. I had about 40 people in a class. And I was teaching them, you know, the concepts of air volume, CFM and PSI, how to set up a gun, how to clean it, you know, how to lube it. And then because I worked for a paint company and the, the gun was always handed to me already set up. And so what I did with the students is instead of wasting very expensive paint, as we all know, it's <laughs> super expensive, um, I had a plexiglass, piece of plexiglass with just some high quality H2O in it. And... Mm -hmm had them spray and then had a, a light behind it so they could see droplet size. So nice static dynamic passes, uh, balance the pattern, you know, the kill shot where it's like, make sure it's all starting to run down at the same time. That means it's balanced pattern. So I'd have each student mess it up for the next person. So it gets them involved. And then also like, you know, don't be embarrassed if it comes out like a piss yeah. screen, that just means they cut off all the air for you. But yeah. I wanted them very comfortable with setting up a gun because I'd gone through all these classes and that was never even taught to me. So I, in all of my different roles with the different jobs I've taken, I'm like, this is something that, this is a question that I had. Mm -hmm. So this should probably be addressed. You know, I'm not shy when it comes to like, I don't know that. Yeah. And this is another thing that I tell girls and everybody like, you know, listening, if guys will come out very confident and it sounds like they know what they're talking about. If you take a step back and you listen to what they're actually saying, not necessarily all of them know what they're talking about. So <laughs> it's very liberating when you get to that point, don't get, you know, caught in the minutia of, you know, confidence or, or whatever. If you know your stuff, I'm like, I feel like I'm kind of like Milton with a stapler. It's like, well, all right, <laughs> I'll, I'll get this done and nobody needs to, no, but it will be done. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that's such a such a hugely valid point. I find that like on average, and this is not universally true, of course, right? Like there's always exceptions, but I've seen more like men who overstate their skill level and women who understate their skill level, right? Like a man and a woman with the exact same experience, the woman will be like, oh, I've done some stuff. And the guy will be like, I've done gazillions of things. And you're like, you've done the exact same amount of things as each other. What is going on? Yeah. <laughs> That is very, very prevalent. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, teaching, I would love to be a teacher. I, well, it comes naturally to you, clearly. I mean, I guess so. I feel like I'm so goofy that I want, I usually get engagement from everybody. And so now, right, right now, I've been teaching 6-H classes, and that's just to, it's like recertification every five years for painters and body shops. It's okay. basically a CYA item, cover your behindy. Um, to have on file for OSHA or if EPA comes through. So, you know, you just go through a checklist of things, make sure they have the right air, air makeup, stuff like that. Um, and, you know, at the, I remember the one particular class at the junior college, <laughs> I um, was walking through the aisles and I was making sure everybody was like, you know, taking apart the right, it, the guns apart correctly. And there's this one guy who fell asleep and I just slapped the table in front of him and kept walking and everybody erupted in laughter. I have no idea where that came from, but I was like, <laughs> I didn't get away with that shit in college. What are you doing? And I just kept going. It was so funny. The instructors are in the back 
they came up later. They're like, oh my God, I love how you handled that. I was like, I thought you were going to say something different. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then I also saw one of the guys, I was like, I don't remember your name, but you used to be one of my auto tech teachers and you used to drive a Plymouth Duster. So I remember you had split lift Rayfield shirts and you drove a duster. It's funny how you, uh, you remember. I remember cars better than people's names. And you had an instructor that you're now teaching. How cool is that? Yes. Oh my God. My life is complete when I got to go back to my alma mater, teach a summer, like what well, was just a day of a summer class. And I taught my old college advisor something. And I was like, you know what? I'm done. <laughs> I love it. That is a fantastic, fantastic sense of accomplishment. <laughs> so officially your job title though, like officially you sell pain body equipment. Mm-hmm. How, what percentage of the time are you teaching? Because it sounds like you do a lot of it. I try and do as much as possible. Because um, I know do you're doing it, it your job or are you doing yeah. it outside of job? So that was part of it where I get with my marketing team. Um, I work for Devilvis Automotive Refinishing. So the okay. AR side invented the spray gun. I remember it being on a question in the classes that I went through, you know, who invented the spray gun and, you know, what year or whatever. But I um, didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why the other spray guns and, you know, are, are out there. It was from, um, ear, nose and throat doctor, uh, Dr. Alan DeVilbus. So people, if he administered too much medicine, people would throw up on him. So it was kind of like one of those old perfume misters or like an oil can. And then his son took it from there and then, you know, worked with Henry Ford and stuff like that. But, oh my gosh, I had no yeah. idea. That's fascinating. Yeah. It's cool stuff. I mean, the history is neat and it's like, you know, U.S. Um, so I mean, I have about, so my title is central region sales manager. Okay. Um, I have 15 States in the middle of the country, about 32 salespeople. So what I do is knock out roadblocks for them, uh, facilitate training for them. If there's like, you know, new sales reps in different territories, I go and train them and then go into body shops with them and do demos and whatnot. Nice. But if I do get invited, I think it's, oh man, I say this, hopefully like, you know, my job's not watching, but it's like, I, in, in sales, I'm in it for the long haul. It's not transactional. That's why I like to get in at the ground level. Fotech schools, new technicians, Skills USA. I did Skills USA for Tarrant County Community College um, back in February in Fort Worth. That was really cool. So I was like hosting a little station on how to do color match and stuff like that. So it was so cute. They were so nervous. Oh my God, warmed my heart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that stuff because it's like, I remember the first spray gun I sprayed with. I remember the first paint I used. I want them all brainwashed so they use my stuff, but no, <laughs> just what you're comfortable with. Um, and I remember too, when I was in college, uh, a guy, you know, just a couple years older than me came through our class and was like, you should, you know, th this is a different path that you could take. Um, you don't have to be stuck right here. There's plenty of, I, I see a lot of um, guys who have been painting for a really long time. After a while, it is going to wear on your body, even mechanicking and wrenching and yeah. knuckles and whatnot. And now they're on the sales side where they do information. It's really just, I think it's just passing along information, really. Cause you're going to find a pain point. I'm not going to sell you something you don't need. Um, and I feel like that's how I've been successful. <laughs> that's I mean, God, there's like so much in that. That's so valuable. And I hope you guys at home, like heard, heard that, right. Cause it is true. You are going to get, it's hard on the body. The trades are hard on the body and having an alternative of something that you can do is so smart. And and knowing that there's other ways you could be in the industry, but really that your sales position, I love what you essentially just said is that the sales position is really you're mentoring and you're teaching yeah, and you're guiding and you're coaching people. And because you believe in your product, you're able to guide and coach them how to, how to, how to do their career, how to do their job, how to learn tips and tricks. And like through that process, you're selling yeah, but really, you're a teacher, and that's just like such a great way to continue to pass on all of the skills that you've learned and be successful at your job. 
Yeah, I'm very blessed. As you, as you said, I absolutely love what I do. Sometimes I feel bad saying that, but I honestly <laughs> do. Um, That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I know, but uh, absolutely. But I mean, I, yeah, I, I genuinely do enjoy what I do and I want to help facilitate that uh, for others as well. And seeing some of these guys, like I was in the field, you know, in San Antonio last week with guys who are like, man, I sprayed for 30 years, you know, now I'm doing a tech rep job, which is uh, basically being the fireman. You're the guy that people want to see. You're there or gal who uh, comes in and takes care of issues. Yeah. And I've even considered that. Um, yeah, I feel like I, I could go any which way. And, and to be honest, there's been a couple of times where um, I might go to an all female event and I feel kind of like an outsider just because it's like, I'm not necessarily wrenching like you're doing every day. Um, but I feel like I also can represent like a different, uh, path. And so you can still be around it. It also takes skill. Um, and I just keep me around fast things. I'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, so I will, I will give you this piece of, of comfort. I'm not wrenching any day, every day anymore either, right? Yeah. Like the reality is, is once you start doing other things, whether it's teaching, whether it's coaching, whether it's mentoring, whether, you know, whatever else it is that you're doing, you're not on the line every day, right? But to do what you do, you have to be good at what you're teaching. So you have those skills. You are a tradesperson. You are now applying those skills in a different way. Yeah. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that whatsoever. I think it's fantastic. And I think you're right. It is cool to show there's a gazillion different ways to be in the industry. Man, I might want to be a welder. I did love that. (laughs) I did too. When I first got exposed to it, finally, like later in life, I was like, oh, this is really awesome. (laughs) Metal work, body work, all of that. I wish I'd gotten exposed when I was younger. I really do. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like if you find somebody who does want to mentor you, um, definitely reach out, wear them out because it's a symbiotic relationship where it's like, you're going to make them feel better. And also there might be things in their head that they they've experienced that nobody else has, you know? So pick their brain. I'm just like, sometimes I'll just go and there'll be a guy who's been doing it longer than I've been alive. I'm like, tell me things, tell me everything. (laughs) And then of course, like I have like right now working with uh, more restoration shops, I'm doing continuing ed for myself, trying to figure out how to do candy. Um, and custom type stuff because I get those questions all the time, but where my money is made is in remove and replace and dead butt panel match type stuff. So for collision type stuff, that's completely different than restoration. So I love hearing the, I love the whole how behind the why and learning all of that. And like, also it makes them feel better too, because they can share this information that might not be in textbooks. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had another woman say that her best piece of advice was to find the grumpiest oldest man in the shop and become best friends with them. <laughs> like you'll learn the most from them. And once you win them over, you win everybody over. <laughs> yeah. It was great. Wow. I need to listen to that one. I completely I agree. <laughs> All right, we've got a question from the audience I want to throw up here. And she also just said that she uh, is a welder. Um, so yay. Um, but our question is, what has been your biggest challenge as a woman in the trades and how did you overcome it? I think uh, it was, you know, super early on, just being unsure of myself, um, no confidence, but it, I knew it would come from somewhere. I definitely had like the self-confidence, like, don't freaking, you know, like touch me or F with me that way. But as far as knowing what I was knowing what I was talking about, I literally was just hands on asking a lot of questions. I wore a lot of people out on quest. Like I was called questions when I started in paint and body. Um, <laughs> like I know and awesome. I, it's funny cause I still keep in touch with everybody, but I could tell I drove my manager nuts. Um, but now, I mean, we still talk to this day and he's retired. So that's awesome. Um, I, I think, I think regardless of how people might treat you, passion and actually caring is universal and people will pick up on that. (laughs) 
That is so wonderful and so true. Yes. So I true. hope that answered the question. <laughs> no, I, I think I think so. I mean, it sounds like what you're saying is that the biggest challenge you had as a woman wasn't actually anything to do with being a woman or anything else was your own internal, like your biggest demon was yourself yeah. and self-confidence. But at the end of the day, like passion is what got you through it. That's how you overcame it was just by genuinely caring. If I'm hearing you right. And I think that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's that true. Yeah. Um, also, it's the same stuff comes with the territory. And that was one thing that was uh, which made me weep in the um, taxi ride back um, at, at SEMA was like everybody had a story, sadly, about, you know, just the typical things that happen um, it, being a woman in the trades. But find find a support or mentor or something like that. Learn how to stick up for yourself. Don't be afraid to stick up for yourself. Um, yeah. And then, I, I mean, I, I would, uh, if something was said, you know, sideways, I might repeat it louder so everybody can hear. And then that can, that's, that's usually deterrent, you know, just stuff like that. And of course that can be a sidebar type of conversation. I don't want to get too far into it, but those things happen too. Yeah. Slap them around with words. No, I think that's an important conversation. We don't have a ton of time left, but I think it's yeah. worth talking about it because I think your approach, your Great Dane approach, right, um, is so fantastic. And I think others could could probably benefit from how did you handle those situations? That was one tool that you just said about, like, say it louder and maybe hope to embarrass them, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think about when you say that my mom told me a story from when she was a teenager and she was on a public bus and somebody grabbed her butt. Mm -hmm. And she grabbed the man's hand and held it up in the air and said, whose does this belong to? It was somewhere it doesn't belong. <laughs> like oh my God, of her I love her. <laughs> right? Like just a fantastic response. So that's an awesome tool in the toolbox. Um, say it louder, hope to embarrass them. Um, still killing them with kindness, right? You're not being mean. You're just like, you said what, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. What other ways have you dealt with those situations? Because I think they happen to all of us. Or if you have a, had a particularly bad one and how did you handle it? Oh, geez. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> uh, of course, being in this, uh, it still sticks with me as far as females thinking they got to be nice all the time um, and accommodating and whatnot. Be loud. Um, more so, my butt was grabbed when I was cocktail waitressing once and I warned him with words. Uh, multiple times and it happened again and I dropped to one knee and I punched him in the area and then he dropped to his knees and then escorted out. So sometimes, and oh my God, I'm so sorry. But you didn't know what you're getting into. I'm, like, I'm, I'm loving it. You're fantastic. <laughs> you're fantastic. Maybe that's the only way some people might receive the message. Uh, but that was only one time as far as usually if you use your words, that will, that will work. If, um, if you need to employ a friend or whatnot, do that too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. So do everything you can to kill him with kindness, warn him with words. And then if you need to do what you got to do. Yes. I, I think that's fair. <laughs> um, did you ever, it doesn't sound like it, but, but maybe, did you ever have points in your career, whether it was wrenching as a mechanic, whether it was in school or further in your career where you, were overwhelmed by the the negatives or the challenges. Oh my God, yes. Um, just where you know you get into slumps. Or it's always peaks and valleys. Um, and I think what really gets me out of that is uh, you hold on to something like, man. If I one thing that I've always liked is constructive criticism and like genuine compliments. You can be like, oh, you're cute or whatever. That's nothing I have in control over. Um, but what I do have control over is how my character and how I respond to situations, how I treat people. Um, and I remember not too long ago, a guy said, uh, I can really tell you're in it for the right, in this industry for the right reason. I was like, 
I can ride that bitch for three months at least. <laughs> that is a, such a good <laughs> compliment. You know, I'm like, damn, okay. And I, I hold on to like little nuggets like that. I think when I get like, oh, I'm not yeah. doing anything right this week. Um, but when you have compliments like that, man, those, those stick. It's true. Yeah. So like for everybody listening at home, like, you know, those random compliments that you're not sure if you should give somebody like do it because it's what yeah. carries people through. And I think, you know, I think it's also good to hear that no matter how like successful and upbeat and on top of it that like you sound or that people may think I sound or that, you know, any person might sound is like we all have the hard times, too. And we all have the challenges and like, you're not alone out there, ladies or dudes who might be experiencing this is like, know that we all go through that no matter what it looks like on the outside. And it is those compliments and it is those people who believe in you. And it is those people who are like, yeah, you've got my vote of support that carry you through and make it so that you stay mm -hmm. and keep going. It you takes a village know. the rest of our lives. It does indeed. It does. Indeed. And you've had some incredible mentors and you've given a couple of them a shout outs. Did you have any, any other great mentors that you wanted to give some love to? Oh my God, <laughs> uh, man. I, uh, of course I, all girls garage been watching that since it came out. So oh. Jesse Combs yourself, um, and Christy Lee, and then, uh, you know, Faye, yeah. Um, working woman and machine with Karen Sullivan. Yeah, we never talked about woman and machine. <laughs> uh, she's so amazing. Um, and just like so gent possesses a gentleness that I do not. Um, and uh, Des with uh, Nessie's Customs out yeah. in Arizona as well. I got to yeah. see her on my last work trip. That was so cool. I was like, I actually got nice. to see her shop. Uh, <laughs> I'm just blown away by. So the, these ladies and I want to I want to keep them close and hold them dear and just bask in that and hopefully have it bounce off or, or give back you know I love it I love it you're fantastic I've had so much fun chatting with you tonight um, Same, I feel like I talked so much I'm sorry no this is fantastic I feel like I feel like we've just barely scratched the surface I feel like we could go for another hour but I want to be respectful of your time it's already 557 or whatever it is in your time zone or whatever um but we've used up our hour so Almost I want to I, I want to ask one final question and we've, yeah. you've shared some tremendous words of wisdom and advice for, for the next generation and for really anybody already throughout this conversation. But if you had a chance to talk to the younger you, a little Miss Kelsey or another little girl like you out there, what are your words of advice to her? Damn, that's a good <laughs> one. Um, I mean, definitely stick with it. Probably do even more as far as try and gain in more information. Don't be intimidated, um, especially by other women. I get more intimidated by other women than men. Um, and I don't know. Um, yeah, just uh, continue to lift each other up. I'm I love it. Man, I wish I I didn't even think of that. What if I was a kid? <laughs> Keep that 240. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> All right, kids, keep your first car. That's her words. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Always. <laughs> I love it. That's fantastic. You are incredible. I have had an absolute um, blast talking to you. Folks at home, I hope you've enjoyed meeting Miss Kelsey Bailey. Make sure you go check her out. All of her contact info or where to find her on social and follow along on her journey will be in the description below this video. Um, make sure you come back next week to meet another awesome tradeswoman. And of course, tune in same time, but on Monday uh, for an archive episode, we've got an awesome tradeswoman for you to revisit her interview from three years ago already, which is so crazy. Um, but make sure you subscribe and make sure you hit like, leave comments below. We'd love to hear what you think about this. And of course, uh, this will also be available to listen in podcast form uh, anywhere where you get your podcasts. Um, thanks for all tuning in and hanging out and spending part of your evening with us. Kelsey, thank you spending for spending part of your evening with me. You're phenomenal. Um, and we will talk more 
offline. Um, final big thank you to Drive Time, our sponsor, for helping us keep this series happening and uh, making it possible. So thank you to them and thank you to you all. And until next time, be good to yourselves, be good to one another, and we'll see you later. Bye.